the key. And so, in verse 6 of chapter 22, we read, Others seized his messengers and treated them shamefully, even killing some of them. This is a verse that I struggle with. What's going on here? I did like when I was uh, reading, I think it was um, in the word commentary, the, the, the author, the scholar, the, the Greek scholar said, uh, verse 6, the first word for others is actually the others. The others seized his messengers and treated them shamefully, even killing some of them. How many of you like the, the show Lost? Are you aware of the show Lost? The others? That's all I could think of, the others. And like on the island, they seized messengers, treated them shamefully, even killing some of them. I mean, it just seems so harsh. Jesus, this is your parable? But then we need to remember who Jesus is speaking to. But we not only need to remember who Jesus is speaking to, we need to remember when this was written and who the hearers of this message are. It was probably written, some say, as early as 75 A.D. or 80 A.D. And, and so those hearing this gospel lesson will know that they're talking about the prophets and John the Baptist and Jesus. They will know that they, this is who the messengers are referring to and we know that the disciples were, were killed for their faith. We know that John the Baptist was killed. We know that Jesus was killed. So as they're hearing this story, they're not hearing it like the chaplain was struggling. Well, Jesus, that's kind of harsh. They're keeping in their minds what has already happened and what has taken place. And the king, of course, becomes furious because the others had killed his servants. Angry. And so now the invitation goes out to everybody. Everybody is invited to the feast. Everybody is invited to the banqueting table. Everyone is invited into the kingdom of heaven. Everybody. Even as we studied in the previous text when I spoke, the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Yes, everyone is invited to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Jew and Gentile. Tony Campolo, uh, who spoke here last fall, wrote a book um, probably a year or two or three before many of you were born. It's called The Kingdom of God is a Party. And in the opening few pages of the book, he shares a, a story I want to read from briefly where he's in Hawaii and he's from Philadelphia, so he's in Hawaii and he's, he's waking up really early in the middle of the night, two, three in the morning. And now he goes to a restaurant to get something to eat because he's hungry and he wants breakfast, so he goes and gets a donut and a coffee, which he describes as a, just like a greasy spoon place, just filthy. And about 3.30 in the morning, a group of prostitute women come walking into the, into the restaurant. And they're all sitting there at the counter together. And he said they were on both sides of me as they were having conversation. And he says, I was getting ready to leave. And one prostitute, her name was Agnes, said to her friend, my birthday's tomorrow. I turned 39 years old. And her friend responds, I don't care about your birthday. Why do we care about your birthday? And all of a sudden, this argument breaks out. And she's like, well, I don't want you to care about my birthday. She's like, what, do you want a party? He's like, no, I've never had a party in my life. I don't need you to throw me a party. And conversation just kind of dwindles away and Dr. Campolo decided to stay in the restaurant until the prostitutes left and he asked the owner, do these women come in every night? And he said, yeah, they come in every night about the same time. And he gets this crazy idea. He said, hey, let's throw Agnes a party. So the next night or early morning, 2.30 in the morning, he says he buys all the paper material, the happy birthday signs and decorates this greasy, filthy restaurant. The owner and his wife were excited to throw this party so they bake a cake and I'll pick up in his story here and just read an extended quote, but follow along. At 2.30 the next morning I was back at the diner. I had picked up some cray paper decorations at the store and had made a sign out of big pieces of cardboard that read, Happy Birthday Agnes. 
I decorated the diner from one end to the other. I had that diner looking good. The woman who did the cooking must have gotten the word out on the street because by 3.15 every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. It was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30 on the dot, the door swung open and in came Magnus and her friend. I had everybody ready. After all, it was kind of the MC of the affair. And when they came in, all screamed, Happy Birthday! Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted, so stunned, so shaken. Her mouth fell open. Her legs seemed to buckle a bit. Her friend grabbed her arm to steady her as she led her to sit on one of the stools along the counter. We all sang Happy Birthday to her. As we came to the end of our singing with Happy Birthday, Dear Agnes, Happy Birthday to you, her eyes moistened. Then, when the birthday cake with all the candles on it was carried out, she lost it and just openly cried. Harry gruffly mumbled, Blow out the candles, Agnes. Come on, blow out the candles. If you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to have to blow out the candles for you. And after an endless few seconds, he did. Then he handed her a knife and told her, Cut the cake, Agnes. Yo, Agnes, we all want some cake. Agnes looked down at the cake. Then, without taking her eyes off it, she slowly and softly said, Look, Harry, if it's all right with you, I, I mean, if it's okay, if I, if I kind of... What I want to ask you is, is it okay if I keep the cake a little while? I mean, is it all right if we don't eat right away? Harry shrugged and answered, Sure, it's okay. If you want to keep the cake, keep the cake. Take it home if you want to. Can I? She asked. Then, looking at me, she said, I, I live just down the street a couple doors. I want to take the cake home, okay? I, I'll be right back. I, I promise I will. She got off the stool, school, stool, picked up the cake, and carrying it like it was the Holy Grail, walked slowly toward the door. As we all just stood there motionless, she left. When the door closed, there was a stunned silence in the place. Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, What do you say we pray? Looking back on it now, it seems more than strange for a sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But then it just felt like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I prayed that her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. When I finished, Harry leaned over the counter with a trace of hostility in his voice. He said, hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? In one of those moments when just the right words came, I answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited a moment and then almost sneered as he answered, No, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. I'd join a church like that. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all love to join a church that throws parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning? Dr. Campolo understands this text, though he didn't reference it in this chapter. He helped me to understand that the kingdom of God truly is a party. It truly is a, a celebration. Where the very least of these, where the greatest of outcasts, as we have called them, can truly be part of the kingdom of heaven, and it is a true celebration. Yes, the kingdom of heaven is a party. So the royal place is now filled and people from all walks of life, uh, the good, the bad, it says in the text, the poor, the rich, Everyone's invited and the, the hall is filled. And it is a great celebration. Stanley Harawas says, But the food given by Jesus is not just food to feed the hungry, but to stage a banquet. This is a feast of God's abundance. 
So as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have a deeper understanding of what God's kingdom is about. It is a party. It is a celebration. We live in abundance of the goodness and greatness and all that God has done for us. Do you want to be part of the party? Do you want to be part of the celebration? We struggle, certainly, in this journey. As we began this uh, journey through Matthew at the beginning of the school year, we talked about how we need to go to a deeper level of discipleship and there will be great costs and we must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him and make great sacrifices so the kingdom can be advanced. As we work in the vineyard to advance His kingdom, it will be difficult. It will be challenging. It will be heartbreaking. At times, we'll be like, God, where are you even in the midst of this? But at the same time, we must not lose sight that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is, as Jesus is describing for us, it is a banquet, it is a celebration, it is a party. And we will be with our Lord and Savior for all of eternity, but now while we live between the already and the not yet, the kingdom of heaven has already come in Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection, and it will come to its completion when Christ returns for his followers. And so now we live in this in-between time where we see glimpses of the kingdom breaking through. We see glimpses of the kingdom breaking through when you are out serving and out caring for the least of these. We see glimpses of the kingdom breaking through when people decide to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We see glimpses of the kingdom of heaven break through when we see wholeness and people are restored, whether physically, emotionally, or spiritually. We see glimpses of the kingdom of heaven, but we also see glimpses of the kingdom of heaven when we celebrate together. Do you know that you are right now at this very moment in the midst of the banquet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? He calls us into worship. He calls us into this great celebration. So we don't just go through the ritual of singing and praying just because, well, that's what we do here at ENC. That's what I have to do because I go to school here. But we as a community for over a hundred years have believed that God has called us into this great celebration to remind us who we are and whose we are, to remind us what we're about, to remind us that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. It is a great banquet. It is a great celebration we are a part of. It happens in many ways. I... Edie and I, uh, this past Sunday night, invited young alum over to our home. I'm, uh, it seems after you graduate from college, I've noticed that everything seems to be in transition. I'm just preparing you now. Everything is in transition in life. You're in and out of jobs. You're in and out of relationships. You have a roommate, and then that roommate gets married. You're in a lot of weddings. You're going to be in a lot of weddings. And, uh, and then your roommate gets married, and then for some reason, because their spouse is moving in, for some reason, you get kicked out. I don't understand, but that's just kind of the way it goes. And then maybe you do graduate school and the church as great as the church is it it kind of misses that area that age group we do a lot on youth and we do a lot on college ministry we do a lot of young families but you the young careers uh, there's a missing piece there so Edie and I have decided to invite the young alum over to our home on Sunday evenings every few weeks and we're going to cook a meal together and just fellowship and just have a meal together that's all we're going to do just ask how they're doing how can I pray for them how can we pray for them I'm smart enough to know not to let any of the guys cook because I don't want my house to burn down. I mean, I get that. But there is something about gathering together around a meal that is a symbol of the kingdom of God. It is a symbol and a reminder that as we fellowship together, this is a banquet that our Lord has blessed us with. And this may be difficult for you to understand, and you may even get some chuckles, but even as you gather in the calf and sit together and have a meal together, I know you may struggle to understand this, but that too is a sign of God's kingdom. That is a reminder that God has blessed you with abundance. That is a reminder that God has blessed you with people to sit together and and have a meal and fellowship together and talk to. That is a sign of God's kingdom. 
And some of you sitting here know that you have family members, friends, and loved ones that are in places where they do not get meals like you'll have in the lunch period in the next hour. And as we gather together, that is a sign of, of God's kingdom, a reminder that it truly is a celebration, it truly is a feast. And we must be, as we learned several weeks ago, we must be a grateful people, grateful for all that God has done grateful for his blessings and recognizing that he has blessed us abundantly. Yes, the kingdom of God is a party. It is a celebration. But then we come to the part in the lesson that is a great struggle for me. So he pulls everyone in off the street and says, just come to this party, come to this celebration. And it kind of seems like a last minute. I mean, he, this guy didn't get a save the date notice, you know. I mean, he didn't, he didn't get the email. He wasn't on the Facebook page about save the date for the wedding. He... He just kind of shows up and he's not dressed for a wedding banquet. So the king has him bound hand and foot and thrown out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. <clears throat> I know that I uh, often use words from the 80s, the greatest decade that ever existed. Um, and I need to explain, but the only thing that, that I could think of is this guy... Uh, it was, we don't know if he was the poorest or the wealthiest. We just know by him not having a wedding robe, it was completely disrespectful. It was very disrespectful. You insulted the king, you insulted the people you're fellowshipping with, you insulted the son and the bride because you were not dressed appropriately. So I guess the word, I only could think of this word, I'm going to regret this after, I, he, he was a scrub. We used to use that word a lot in the 80s. A scrub is a guy who can't get no love. hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride. <laughs> For those of you, look to see who's not laughing, then explain it to him later, please. It's not necessarily the poorest, but just one who has no respect. Not honoring the place he's in, not honoring the place where he was called to. I struggled with this. I'm like, what kind of parable is this? Is this the type of God we serve? I mean, you didn't give him advance notice. And so you go to the commentators to help you through these confusing times, and the only thing they do is confuse you more. Because they're all disagreeing. Oh, well, that, that, probably the situation was that, uh, literally, some commentators, probably the situation was that the, com the uh, king would provide the robes for everybody. So some people write that, and others like, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Where would they get that from? They're, we have no reason to believe that. But regardless of whether the king provided the robes and, and he, he chose not to wear it or whether the king didn't, the truth is this. When we are entering into the presence of the king, when we are entering into the banqueting table, when we are entering into the feast of the kingdom of God, the garments that we wear must change. The garments that we wear must change. For he calls us to holy living. He calls us to a holy lifestyle. He calls us to a life of holiness. So when we enter into the kingdom, things must change. And the Lord wants to give us a new garment. To quote Stanley Harwas again, he says, If the church is to be a people capable of hospitality, it will also have to be a community of holiness. Jesus expects those called to his kingdom to bear fruit 
The poor and the outcast may well put one in a good position to respond to Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom, but Jesus expects even the poor and downcast to live lives worthy of the Lamb who will be slain. It's about a life of holiness. That if you are going to enter into the presence of the king, or, or this great banquet, or this great party, the, the kingdom of God that is a party, things must change and you must now live a holy life. Scriptures are filled where it talks about God giving us a new, new garment in Isaiah 61. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation, arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Romans 13, 14. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 3.27 For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Yes, clothe yourselves with Christ. Galatians 3.27 is reminding us those who have been baptized, whether you were baptized in an infant or a high school student or a college student, now you have been clothed in Christ Jesus and live a life worthy of such a garment. So when we enter the presence of the King, He gives us a new garment to wear and the old is gone and the new has come. This is a tremendous parable about the grace of God. Everyone's invited. Everyone. Tax collectors, prostitutes, Agnes. Every, everyone's invited. Everyone can enter in the presence of King. But God loves us too much to leave us in our old clothing. He loves us too much for us to continue to live in sin. He wants to shed that, that clothing on us that's keeping us down, that's holding us back, that's keeping us held in, in bondage. He wants to give us a new garment to wear. And so, though it seems difficult in this one parable for this one person we must look to the broader story Jesus is saying I'm calling you to a life of holiness all are welcome it's a universal call anyone can count but if you're going to come you must live a holy life you must begin to shed that clothing that is holding you back and holding you down when I was pastoring on a Sunday morning, a young lady named Tina walked in. I know I've shared some of her story before. The Sunday morning, she had walked into our church. It was the first Sunday she had ever been there. Her, her, brother, her um, stepbrother was attending our church, and he invited her. Three nights earlier at a club, after she had promised the judge she would give up drugs and get into rehab because she was about to lose her six-year-old son, she went to the bar that night after promising the judge she wouldn't. And she was about to drink alcohol and the drugs were there and she goes into the bathroom and kneels at a stall. Not having a clue of what she was doing, she just cried out to God for mercy. And I believe the Holy Spirit stormed into her heart, into her life and changed her forever. Though she wouldn't put it in such words at that time. She had never been to church, so she said, well, I guess I have to go to church. And she's sitting through the entire service crying. And you know, I didn't even start preaching yet. And, and, and then when I was preaching, she kept crying. I was like, I know my preaching is bad, but this is like, you know, this is really getting serious. And I asked her her name, and she explained just a little bit. I hadn't known her story about what had happened in that bathroom stall where she knelt at the altar of a commode and received Christ. And, and tears are rolling down her eyes. I says, well, I'm Corey. I'm the pastor here. And she says, I'm Tina. Anthony's invited me. And, she seemed a little nervous. I remember she was so nervous to meet me that day. And, um, I said, Tina, it's, it's great to have you here. I hope everything's okay. And I don't know exactly how the sentence went, but I know the word peace was in it. Something to the effect of, this is such a peaceful place. Something to the effect that something in the presence, among the people of God, among the kingdom, at the banqueting table, there was something that was resonating within her that she was among the kingdom of God. And again, she wouldn't put it in those words. 
see, the kingdom of heaven truly is a party. It truly is a celebration. And people like Agnes and Tina, prostitutes and tax collectors, are entering into the kingdom of heaven and they're being transformed. As Tina was in the midst of addiction, alcohol, and drug, she was living with her boyfriend. The court system was about to take away her son. Um, she was struggling with several other things in life. I didn't go down the list. All right, now, Tina, now you need to do this, 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 and this, and this, and clean all that up before you get back next Sunday. And in fact, I wrestled as a pastor. How do I help her but not harm her? How do, I let her? how do I let her journey in this faith now that she's part of the kingdom of heaven? And to be honest, I didn't do anything. A few weeks go by, and then she comes to me with these crazy things like, Corey, I, 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 don't, I don't think God wants me living with Bob since we're not married. I, I, what do you think? I said, Tina, I, if, I think the Lord's speaking to you. I think you need to follow the way God's leading. And then, and then Bob comes to know Christ. This is Lord and Savior. Two years later, I have the privilege of marrying she says, I, I want to make sure I keep my son, so I need to surround myself with people that aren't into drugs and alcohol. I think I need to make a distance from some of my friends. I said, Tina, I think if that's what the Lord's telling you, that's, that's what you need to do. And she was growing in her faith, not because of me really at all. It really was amazing, but she decided to enter into the banqueting feast, into the party, the celebration of the kingdom of God, and God gave her a new garment, and the old clothing was falling away. See, as this guest is thrown out into outer darkness, it's not because he did anything wrong, necessarily. It's because of this. Because in the presence of the king, in the presence of God, he still did not want to change. He still did not want to be holy, as God calls us to be holy. And the king, or God, will simply say to us, if you do not want to change to be in my presence, you do not want to be holy as I am holy. You can live in such a way, but you cannot be part of the feast. You cannot be part of this banquet. It's an open invitation. You can come, but you must change and be made holy. I want to encourage you to think of Tina. If any of you are struggling with anything, I don't want you to think that you need to walk out here today and all be right and perfect. There are things that happen in your life and the Lord will walk you through those and we as a community are here to gather with you and serve with you and pray with you and help you. Don't feel like you need to have it all fixed right away. But as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, live a holy life as our Father is holy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessings and gifts you have given us. As we gather with friends today in the calf, as we fellowship with friends and cheer them on at games and volleyball matches, as we just live together as a community, may we recognize the blessing you have given us being part of the kingdom of heaven. And may we live in such a way, may we live holy lives, shed off the old garments, give us a robe of salvation, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace.